0: Well, good morning. good morning. Take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. To get started, I heard last Tuesday you guys celebrated 64 years of marriage. You think the mercy of God don't work? <laughs> you to be thankful for the mercy of God and the mercy of Leona. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. This is a woman of grace, commitment, of patience. Uh, You've to be, be thankful. you, you do all right be thankful for mercy. Go. Yeah, I do. But so we don't have enough time in class to discuss that. But uh, congratulations, 64 Amen. years. Amen. Amen. Day and age, which people don't take marriage seriously. I'm right. glad we sit in a class where marriage is taken seriously. There's a number of you who've, uh, who've been in long, long committed marriage relationships, and thank you for that example. That's because he went fishing a lot, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell Bonnie, that's why you're gone all the time. You want to reach 64. <laughs> that's the <a holder>. only <laughs> So, uh, on and off over the past years that I've been teaching this class, I've had people ask me and I don't know why, can you tape this, can you record this, this Sunday school lesson so when I'm gone, uh, we, can, we can catch up. And I often think, well, don't be gone, just be here, okay? <laughs> uh, then we don't have to worry about recording it. But I got asked again, I've been asked several different times, and I thought, well, let me look into seeing how I could possibly record this class. Well, I'm recording right now, and I recorded the last time that I taught, and you're going to have, probably have to get your grandchildren to help you. <laughs> but I have created a podcast. It's called the UGBC Ambassador Fellowship. It's on Google Podcasts. So if you have an Android phone, okay, which, is not a, which is not an iPhone, it's any other phone. It has an Android. You can get Google Podcasts. Just search UGBC Ambassador Bible Fellowship. It's on iTunes. Okay? It's on Pocket Cast. And it tells me it's on Spotify, but I don't have a Spotify account. Now, I know all of that. I'm speaking Greek to, to the vast majority of you. Okay, you, have no, you have no idea what I just said. You said, why can't I just get a cassette? Um, <laughs> That's probably what most of you are thinking. I just need a cassette to put in my cassette tape player, uh, and we'll be good. Uh, but this is a podcast, uh, and so you can, you can uh, get yourself a Bluetooth. I bought my wife a Bluetooth for her phone this week. Uh, she has no idea how to use it. Um, but uh, you can get a Bluetooth or earbud, and you can put it and play it in your phone if you, if you really think that this is worth listening to. But I have created a podcast, UGBC Ambassador Bible Fellowship, and uh, you can find it in those locations to, to listen to those classes that you miss. But we're in Romans chapter 4, and uh, Paul is talking about justification. <coughs> justification that is received by faith. The question we began several weeks ago as we were looking at Romans chapter 4 was how is Abraham saved? How were saints in the Old Testament saved? Well, they were saved by believing. They were saved by faith. And in Romans chapter 4 and verse 3, uh, it's very clear that Abraham believed and it was counted unto him for righteousness the word counted there means placed upon his account righteousness was placed upon his account as we journey through the last time that i taught we looked at the fact that that faith is not something that we do we do not earn our righteousness by the keeping of the law we do not earn our righteousnesses by following through with uh ordinances or or different things that we think are important on a spiritual or religious level there's nothing that we do our faith and our imputed righteousness is simply by the grace of God God exercising his grace when we put our faith in him crying out in repentance and trusting him to be our Lord and Savior God imputes into us he takes Christ's righteousness and he places it upon us, and he sees us as if we have never sinned. Right? That's a sure thing Paul says in Romans chapter 4. When you look at verse, and when you look at verse uh, 16, he says this is the promise that is what? It is sure. It is steadfast. It is guaranteed. Well, as we continue on today, we're really going to get to the meat of what faith really is and how faith is to be demonstrated then in in our lives. So this morning, as we look at the remainder of this chapter, beginning in verse 17, I want us to look first of all at what what is the object of our faith. Notice in verse 17, Paul writes, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, Even what? God. Who did Abraham believe? We can go back to this verse. We can go back to Romans chapter 4 and verse 3. And it was God that Abraham believed in. The quality of our faith depends upon what we are believing in. Get this. Not in the amount of our faith. Go to Matthew chapter, Matthew, Matthew chapter 8. I've been thinking a lot about this this week, and even in my own personal devotional time as I've been reading in the Gospels, um, I've thought of the, the object of faith. As we come to Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 23, the disciples in Christ enter into a ship, and they go out into the Sea of Galilee. While on the Sea of Galilee, a, a great storm arises, and the, bo- the boat is beginning to be tossed to and fro. Waves are coming up over the sides of the boat, and of course the disciples are afraid. So they waken the Savior, they waken Jesus, and uh, they tell Jesus, hey, we're about to perish. And he says to them, why are you, fe- why are you fearful, O ye of little faith right? now when you see the words oh ye of little faith there's also an implication that they have faith right? where is their faith in no not what they're seeing around them well it's a, now i would just it's in christ how do i know it's in christ yeah, they went and woke him up. Hey, we perish. Why do they wake him up and let him know that? They needed some help. They needed some help. Do you remember when uh in, in Matthew chapter 15? There's a there's another storm and the disciples are in the boat without Jesus this time. And Jesus they see they see someone coming across the water. And they recognize it as Jesus. And Peter says, hey, can I get out and walk in the water? And Jesus says, sure, get out, get out of the boat. Peter gets out of the boat. He begins to walk in the water. He begins to look around at the intensity of the water and the waves. He said, what in the world am I doing? And he begins to sink. And he cries out what? Save, save. Lord, save me! And Jesus reaches out and he saves him. He says, Peter, you're a man of little faith. But he had just a little You go to Matthew chapter 17. Jesus is teaching. He says, you want to move mountains? You know how much much faith you need to have to move a mountain? Faith the size of a mustard seed. How big is a mustard seed? It is little. It is little. The, The focus is, it's not the amount of our faith. It's in the object of our faith. If you were to... When you leave here the, uh, after the service today, you're going to get in your car, and you're going to drive out, your, out into Hickory Tree Road. And If you're like everybody else that leaves the parking lot here because cars come flying about 100 miles an hour around this curve, when you leave the parking lot, you just step on it, don't you? And you take off, all right? And you have every confidence that your car will work properly, don't you? Every bit of confidence. You have faith in your vehicle. But what if someone while we're sitting in here this morning goes out and decides, you know what, they're gonna they're gonna play a a mean mean terrible trick on everybody here at Union Grove Baptist Church and we're gonna take the lug nuts off the front tires of your car. And so when you take off and you turn those wheels, all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you're tearing up pavement on Union Grove Road, and it might even be T-boned out on the road because That which you had faith in didn't hold very well, did it? Now, because we have some older women in here, this might make them a little nervous, so they go out before they leave and get in their car and they check the lug nuts. (laughs) (laughs) And when they get out here to pull out onto Union Grove Road, I mean, they wait till it is clear. They don't even hear a sound. <laughs> and then slowly they turn out onto Union Grove Road. And slowly they drive home. And slowly they put uh, their car into the driveway. Why? They had little faith. In what? In the lug nuts. But the lug nuts <laughs> still held. Even though they had a little Abraham, Abraham, it says when he believed, he believed in God. He had great faith in God. That was the object of his faith. Abraham saw how big and how great God was. Look at the two things that Abraham believed in verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him who he believed, even God. Who did what? Who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Abraham believed in a God who could make alive that which was no longer Living, we see in verse nineteen, and we'll get we'll talk a little bit about more about it in just a minute here too. But notice it says he considered not his own body, now what? Now dead. And he goes down to the end of verse nineteen, and he says, and he did not, and he considered the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now it wasn't the fact that Abraham was dead. But what was the promise that God gave to Abraham? (laughs) Going to have a child. Going to have a child. And he was going to have it through Sarah. Now, a hundred years old at this particular time isn't that old. Abraham was going to live another 75 years. Okay? Abraham would die when he was 175. But understand something. In order for Abraham to procreate, this was all. Okay? We know. There just comes a time in life we don't have children. We celebrate birthdays. We celebrate anniversaries. You know what this class does not celebrate? Baby showers and births. Okay? You know? We don't have George Vaughn coming and saying, hey, pray for June. We're expecting a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to happen, is it? Not going to happen. You can laugh. You know what? When God came and told Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have a child, that's exactly what Abraham and Sarah did too, isn't it? Exactly what they did. But Abraham's object of his faith wasn't in the fact that I'm dead. Because God can make that which is dead alive. And you know what? God still does that today. Because there was a time and a place for those of us that were believers that we were dead in our That's trespasses right, yeah. and sins. But God, who was rich in mercy, did what? When we trusted Him and put our faith in Him, He made us alive and He gave to us everlasting life. He made us alive. Yeah. And then he goes on and he says, not only did, did Abraham believe in those things, uh, that, that in the fact that God could make dead alive, but he, he believed in a God who could make things... That, that were not there presently. In Genesis chapter 2, if you read through Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, there's lots of verses in those, in those two chapters that say, God said, let there be, and what happened? There was. There was. There was. So the God that came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I am going to make you a father of many nations. And he made that promise when Abraham was 70. And he comes back and he reaffirms that promise when Abraham is 99 years old. Abraham believed God because his object of faith was not in his situation, in his circumstances. His object of faith was in God. In a God who knew no such thing as that which was impossible. For God is the God of the impossible. God called Abraham a father of many nations when he wasn't even a father. But understand when we put our faith in Christ, he calls us righteous when we're not even righteous. Why? It's God. Our faith is about God. Not about us. Not about the amount of faith we have. Not about whether we have great faith or whether we have little faith. It's about the object of our faith. We just made mention of, of the object, but let's look at the obstacle. And, and we talked about one of the great obstacles was just the hope, hopeless circumstances. All right, Again, Verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. The idea of uh, not considered now is the idea that, that uh, Abraham looked over the situation. He said, these circumstances are not good with what God has promised. But what, is it, what does it do? What does it say? In verse 19, he says, he was not weak in his faith. Abraham knew the reality of the time of life, but you know what? He hoped in hope. He hoped in hope, and his hope again was in God, despite despite the circumstances. You know, when I think about faith, <clears throat> well, let me let me go on to the next the next uh, the next. Um, obstacle, and then I'll come back and, and, and pick up from there. So there were hopeless circumstances, but there was a staggering promise. Notice verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. The promise, you're going to be the father of many nations. And when it says that Abraham staggered not, the idea is he did not doubt God. There are lots of individuals who can give us promises. We have been in a cycle, probably the last 12 years, of elections. It seems like presidential elections. And you have all kinds of people standing before the American public, making all kinds of promises. And how many of you go... I believe that they will keep that promise. (laughs) I am confident that what they are stating they are going to do, they will fulfill. And if you are believing them, I have a White House in Washington, D.C. to sell you. (laughs) When God came to Abraham and said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations, you know what the scripture is telling us? Abraham did not doubt. He didn't doubt. He believed. Again, because his object of faith was God. When we come to faith and understanding faith, a lot of people think they have uh, faith because they have a, not, a lot of knowledge of the scriptures. <laughs> knowledge of the scriptures does not mean you are a man or a woman doesn't you can know the scriptures you can know all about God that doesn't make you a a person of faith I I was reading in Mark this morning and uh, uh, I was reading about the demonic of Gadara a demonic man who would tear chains and break fetters and 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 was just uh, totally and absolutely out of control because of the the demon possession that that controlled him. And in fact, when Jesus comes to the tombs where the demonic of Gadara was living, uh, we find that the demonic of Gadara runs to Jesus and does what? Bows down and begins to worship. And Jesus begins a conversation, not with the man himself, but with the demons. And he calls out and he says, What's your name? And the demons say, My name is Legion, for we are many. And I thought, Here are demons who understood who, God, who Jesus was. They recognized who Jesus was. But we would not say they are demons of faith just because they know God. No, no, even, even knowing the Bible doesn't make us an individual of faith. Now, it makes us knowledgeable about the faith, but it doesn't make us individuals of faith. Having an intellectual knowledge of bi- the Bible, of Scripture, and of doctrine just simply makes us knowledgeable. When we talk about true faith, true faith is really a matter of the will. Now, what is the, what is the role of the will within each of us? What does our will do? Control us somehow. How? How does it control us? What is it? What does it help us do? Or what is what do we when we have a, a will, we have a free will, we do what? We make decisions. 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 We make choices. So when it comes to faith, faith in is a, a matter of the will because we are making a decision, a choice to do what? To believe God. And we believe God by making then a decision to apply the principles of the promises of God into our life. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, in, in talking about Enoch, says, But without faith it is impossible to please God. Does that mean just having an understanding of God? No. no. That means I'm taking the promises of God, and I am believing them, and I showed belief, by acting out upon those promises of God. Does that make sense? I mm-hmm. come back so, to James where he says, by your uh, works, I'll know your Absolutely. Faith. So now we're, now we're, it's an exercise, really, that's an exercise of our faith. Okay? So our, wor- our, our works are a manifestation of our faith or our belief in God. You know, I think one of the scariest verses in Scripture to me, particularly as I deal with young people, is found in Matthew chapter 7, and it's in verse 21 or, or 22 when it says, Jesus is saying, Many will come unto me and say, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out devils, prophesied in thy name, done many wondrous works in thy name? And Jesus will say, Depart from me, for I never knew you. Now you go back to verse 19, I believe it is, and, and Jesus says, There's, There are going to be many who, will, who I will cast out from among me because they've not done the will of the Father. In other words, they've not put their faith in God. Yeah. They've not put their faith in God. You can do all kinds of good things. You can do all kinds of good things in the name of the church. You can do all kinds of good things in the name of God. But if you've not truly put your faith in the promises of God, you've not been declared righteous. Yeah, and therefore, do not have a relationship with the God of heaven. So we look at Abraham. Even though he had hopeless circumstances, even though he had a staggering promise, he still he still believed. Do we stagger in our faith? What do I mean do we stagger in our faith? Oftentimes we stagger in our faith in not trusting the promises of God. It may be in the sense that we struggle in our relationship with God because we struggle with our past. We struggle with sins that we've committed. We've struggled with a life that that we just made bad choices, bad decisions, And as a result, we have ruined opportunities and ruined relationships. And we've marred ourselves from being able to do certain things. And so we struggle with, how could God ever, ever love me? You know what we're we're doing? We're staggering at faith. Because God says, when you put your faith in me, when you repent of your sins and you trust me as your Savior, God says, I justify you. I I credit Christ's righteousness to your righteousness. And when I see you, I see no sin. Isn't that an awesome promise? But we stagger at that because we struggle with our past. Mm -hmm. And so we are staggering in our faith." Because our focus is on our circumstances, not fixed upon our God. We struggle in our faith, and it's demonstrated in our disobedience or our lack of unwillingness to completely and totally obey the commands of God. We need to get out of the way. That's where I feel about well, it. Well, we do, but we struggle with getting out of yeah, the way. I know, but <laughs> Because we God says they'll do something, just get out of the way and let them do it. You—that's exactly right. We make we make choices. We make we look at situations and we say, you know what? I think this this would make me. This would please me. We don't we don't consider God. We don't consider the ramifications of this choice or this decision. We just think this is what I want to do. Because I think it'll make me happy. I'm constantly challenging the seniors, because I have the seniors here in the school on a daily basis. I said you're making your you're making choices. You're making choices that will impact and influence you for decades yeah. to come. Not just years, decades. You're going, to, you're going to go off to college where you will create a network of lifelong friends. I hate it when I tell them, you know, in this day and culture and time, your, your lifelong friends normally aren't your high school friends. They're going to be the friends you make beyond college. So you're going to create a network of friends. You may even, you even may meet your life partner in college. You're going to prepare for a vocation in college. You know, it's not just about what I want. It's about what God wants. You know what? It's not even about what mom and dad want or what grandma and grandpa want. We need to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. It's about what God wants. Yeah. We talk about obeying God, but do we fully obey God? Mm-hmm. See, when we don't fully obey God, you know what we're doing? We're staggering in our faith. Mm. We're staggering in our faith. Mm how about how about with our finances we say Christ ought to be first in every aspect of our life is he first in our finances when it comes time to to give to the work of god are we willing to give first you know, the nation of israel god had a had a had a, a feast for them it was called the harvest of first fruits What was that? It was the giving of the first fruits of their harvest, not that which was left over. You know, we go through it. We go through the closet, and we go through the through our bank accounts. Well, this is a little left over. I can give this to God. I've got everything. I got every need met. And then we wonder why we struggle. We give to God first. When we don't give to God first, it's because we stagger the promises of god in our relationship to church god has commanded us as believers and given us a local assembly of believers by which we are to corporately worship and to be held accountable one with another to say i don't need church again is to stagger at the promises of god and to stagger in your faith by demonstration of a lack of obedience to god's word see how this plays out if we're going to get in the game of walking with God and being what God wants us to be, then we need to be individuals who are demonstrating faithful lives and not staggering at the promises of God or allowing the circumstances of our life to control us. Our, 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 our fixation ought to be upon the God of heaven. So we've seen the object of faith. We've seen the obstacle of faith. Let's look at the objective of faith. We continue on in verse 20. I'm going to add a noun here. But Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. How does one become strong? Ah, there you go. Exercise. Born to planet that- Yeah, saying. absolutely. Okay. I've been a member there since it's open. I've seen a lot of you come and go. <laughs> but here's the truth of the man. If you're going to get strong, you have to exercise. And it's not just a matter of one-time exercise. It's a matter of repetition. And as you repetitively exercise... You're going to get stronger. Abraham's faith grew stronger. Why? Because he repetitively put his confidence in the God who promised him that he would be a father of many nations. Can I ask you this? Do we repetitively put our faith, our confidence in God in all situations, sometimes sometimes it's hard to do. So I was going through my notes this morning, my mind went back to almost 10 years ago now uh, when my sister told me that she had um, been diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And she says, I sat the girls and my, and my nephew. She says, I sat the girls and Reagan down around the table. And Brian and I had a conversation with them. we said, we don't understand. But God has a greater purpose in all of this. And our responsibility is just to believe God. Amen. Sometimes we get in ourselves in situations, don't we? It's hard to believe. But yet we have to because God knows ultimately what is best. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ultimately. And that God will work all things out. Well, how do we get there where we can believe? It's, 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 you know, it begins with the little things in life. Learning to trust God. We could probably all share times when God has just provided and met needs. Miraculously. Yes. Sherry and I had a, since I'm teaching, I'm going to share. Mm-hmm. But Sherry and I just had a, a firm conviction in our heart that one of the things that we desired for our girls was for them to continue Christian education beyond even the high school years. And so we we told them they had to go to Christian college. And I told them they could go wherever they wanted, but my money was going to certain institutions. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) And they chose, wisely chose one of those institutions where my money would go. But understand, I didn't have much money. And uh, college is a lot different than when you guys went and I went. My last year of Bible college, the whole year, room, board, tuition, everything, was $3,500. <laughs> I'm comparing apples to apples. It was way over 20000 the same school when Allison graduated. Both girls were in college at the same time. I did our taxes. I came upstairs. I said, well, we just spent more this year than I make. and we don't have any bills God now you know, jokingly my wife would go to the mail and I'd say well can anyone send us a check so we can retire (laughs) that has never happened that has never happened in fact when I was in college at the beginning of every semester we would would have evangelistic meetings and kids would get up and testify about how they went to their mailbox and there would be a check to pay their school bill God never did that to me he always gave me a job. <laughs> he never gave me money. I always gave me a job. <laughs> right? What I'm saying is when you're faithful and you trust, and we had every confidence God would meet our needs, and God did. Amen. God did. Now, there were, there were things we had to do. We had to be good stewards. We had to cut back on some things. But, you know, as we were faithful, I believe as we were faithful to God, God was faithful to us. It's not always easy when you say, I got the bill and I need to pay my tithe and offering to the Lord. We've always endeavored to pay the tithe and offering even before we pay the bill. Why? God's promised. I'm not going to let the righteous go hungry. I'm not going to let them go in want. If you seek first the kingdom of God, God shall add all these things to you. Take no thought there of what you'll eat or what you drink or what you even wear. Seek first the kingdom of God. Those are the promises of God. Do we stagger at the at the at the promises and the circumstances that God gives to us? But when we begin to apply ourselves to the promises of God, what does God do? He strengthens our faith. Why was it George Mueller could get down and pray for food and thank God for food, but that wasn't even in the kitchen of his orphanages and see God time after time after time after time provide? Because he exercised his faith, and as he exercised his faith, and he saw the one who's the object of his faith respond to those needs, it became stronger, and as a result, what happens? God... Into verse, into verse twenty, God is glorified. Yeah. Faith is not about me; it's not about you. Faith is about God. All right. So, faith—the uh, objective of faith, of God's faith, uh, Abraham's faith was that it was that it was stronger. And in verse twenty-one, we find that Abraham's faith became more fully established or more fully grounded. Notice it says, "and being fully persuaded." The word persuaded means to establish as certainty. It becomes unmovable. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. When God says he's going to do something, we can have absolute confidence that he will keep his word. And understand, believing God's promises is the same as believing in God's person. If I promise something to you, to do something for you, but you don't believe my promise, in effect, you're saying I'm a liar. When God promises us and we don't trust in God's promises, in effect, we're calling God a liar. That wasn't Abraham. Abraham was fully persuaded. God said it. He'll do it, and I'm going to trust in him. What was the outcome of this faith? Well, we find it in verses 23 through the end of the chapter. or I'm sorry, verse 22 to the end of the chapter. And therefore, it was imputed to Abraham for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him but notice the next phrase. But for us also to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our what? Justification. What's he saying? He says, you put your faith in God. He's talking about saving faith here. Just as it was credited to Abraham for righteousness... So your faith in Christ will credit righteousness to your count as well. That's a promise of God. Amen. And almost 51 years ago as a 7-year-old boy, when I knelt my, next to a chair in the basement of a small church there in south-central Wisconsin, and I cried out to God as a 7-year-old boy and repented of my sins and asked Him to be my Lord and Savior, you know what He did? He imputed unto me righteousness. No longer did God see me as a sinful being. He saw me as a righteous Individual. Amen. That's the result of saving faith. Mm-hmm. And if we can trust in the God to deliver our soul from hell, mm-hmm. we can trust God with anything. That's right. We just need to learn to exercise faith. And God, help us Amen. to be people of faith yeah. in the days to come. Any questions or comments as we conclude here this morning? Let's pray. Our gracious God in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity to study your word. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this chapter. Thank you, Lord, that our faith doesn't have to be placed in ourselves as we journey through this life. Thank you that our faith can be in you. God, you've promised, and you are a God who fulfills your promise god you're you're God who who keeps your promises despite the situations that we find ourselves in and Lord, as I look a, across this room this morning, I see individuals that are walking through valleys of of illness valleys of of- of of very vari- varieties of struggles, and Father, I'm thankful that you said you'd never leave us nor forsake Amen. us you've told us you would you would be there to to, to carry us through those times of difficulty, that your grace would be sufficient in, in our times of weakness. Oh, God, help us today to exercise our faith and help our faith to become stronger as we see the promises of God manifested in our lives. I pray this morning that if there's one in our midst this morning who's never put true saving faith in Jesus Christ, that today would be their day of salvation. God, may this be a day that glorifies you. May you be lifted up in praise. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.